for the Cubs Corner, the host, Anthony Pasquale. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of the Cubs Corner, presented by Coach's Bar and Grill. Coach's is located at 6169 North Northwest Highway on the northwest side of Chicago. Great food, great ownership, and they are currently open for pickup and delivery, so make sure you check out Coach's. Happy New Year, everyone. We've got a great episode to kick off 2021. Joining me is the excellent Cubs beat writer from Marquee Sports Network, Tony Andraki. Thanks for coming on the show again, Tony. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for having me again. All right, so before we get into all the off-season news, just want to check in. What's it been like covering baseball during a pandemic? <laughs> it's a good question. Uh, very weird. It. I mean, obviously, everybody's job has been uh, adversely affected because of this pandemic, but it's been really strange. The All the Zoom calls and not being able to talk to guys in person, to have those one-on-one relationships or interviews or just to ask a question, even in a non-interview session, you know, or, or just to see, like, how a guy and his family are doing or whatever. You can't really do that because you're on a Zoom call with 30, 40 other people at, at a given time. So um, it, it has been very weird. Uh, it's very weird not stepping foot on Wrigley Field all year. I, I was there. I had, um, you know, I, I was in the lower bowl briefly during summer camp. But other than that, I was completely in the upper deck for the entire remainder of the time. So normally during a regular season, I'm I'm on Wrigley Field. I'm in a dugout waiting during batting practice or sometimes we have media scrums out there and and it just kind of hit me recently that this was the first year in, in 10 years that I haven't stepped foot on Wrigley Field at all. So um, very bizarre overall. And, and it just don't, it's something that I, I think the uncertainty of it too kind of is carrying the day because who knows what's going to happen? Who knows if I'm going to step foot on Wrigley Field in 2021 or if any of those things that I just talked about will be much different. So we, we need to see and um, hopefully things are for sure. But yeah, it's definitely been very weird. Yeah, it, it sounds like it. But for you, you're closing in, I'm pretty sure, on a year now at Marquee. How's uh, everything been at the network? Yeah, yeah. So uh, I signed on January 20th. It was my first day last year. So, yeah, it's coming in up on a, a year here. It's kind of crazy to think just because in some ways it feels like I've been here for like five years because of how quickly the relationships grew, even before the pandemic, because when you're launching something like this, the, the relationships, they grow so much faster than I think a normal situation because we were all new. It wasn't like I was the new guy coming into a situation and I was the only one who had to get to know everybody. Everybody was doing that. The, the longest tenured people by the time I had started, uh, you know, Mike McCarthy, GM and Amy McDevitt, uh, director of marketing, they had been there, I think about a year. And then most everybody else was signed on like, October, November or so of 2019. So it had only been a few months. It's it's really interesting, um, that environment, and then go into the fact that we have a pandemic and we've been working from home, and now I haven't seen those people or almost any of those people since uh, mid-March. So it's weird, uh, certainly, and, and very odd. But no, it's been great. It's been a tough year to launch a network, but I'm really proud of everything that Marquis has done over this past year. Just really excited to see what we have moving forward. Yeah, same here. And on the topic of Marquee, um, sounds like they've hired their new play-by-play man, Boog. He's going to be replacing Len Casper. Have you met him yet? What are your uh, thoughts so far? Yeah, I got to meet him on Zoom. Uh, I think it was 
the day after the the signing or the hiring became official. Um, but yeah, no, it, it's awesome. I've not heard one even remotely negative thing about Boog so far. So he comes very highly regarded from everybody throughout baseball, whether that's players, former players like David Ross, uh, or just other broadcasters and media members. So he has a fantastic reputation, and I'm really excited. I think his relationships with guys like Rick Sutcliffe or David Ross or some of these other guys, I think it, it's going to be really impactful. And, you know, it, it's tough to replace a guy like Len Casper, of course. He's a guy that has been ingrained in Cubs fans' hearts. But I think Boog is, is was far and away the, the best option out there. And I think he's somebody that Cubs fans will, will love, absolutely, from day one. I don't think it'll even be, you know, a growing process that's like, oh, you'll learn to love this guy. I think they'll love him immediately from step one. And my experience with him, the brief introduction that I got was fantastic. And I'm really looking forward to working with him. Yeah, I think, you know, we, we've heard a lot about Marquis wanting to get that national feel. So hiring someone like Boog from the national outlet like ESPN is a great option just on paper, but also the fact that he understands how much this city loves baseball and being able to take that into the booth with him. I think it's a good hire as well. Yeah, I think so too. And I, I think what came out too with when, with his uh, introductory press conference, it came across how much he loves Chicago and Ridley Field and the Cubs. You know, he talked about how he wants to be where baseball matters and baseball matters on the north side of Chicago. I thought that was such a great phrasing of it because it does that's not to say that it doesn't matter anywhere else but it just it, it does matter more in, in the north side of chicago than it does in a lot of other places and and it's so important to cubs fans and wrigley field is a cathedral i mean it's a it's a shrine that nobody it, it's hard to to really um come even close to comparing to like i've been to fenway before and I absolutely love it, but to me, nothing tops really feels. So, and, and I think that passion and that appreciation has already come about from Boog, and I think that'll only continue to, to you know, flourish as he gets settled into the job. Yeah, I'm with you there, and, and with that, we'll kind of shift gears into the offseason from a player perspective. So far, it's really been all about losses. Kyle Schwarber, Albert Amora, John Lester, um, and now... Um, not player-wise, Theo Epstein and Len Casper, among others. Now we hear you, Darvish and Victor Caratini, the latest to go in a trade to the Padres. Is there any way that we can call this something other than a rebuild? Yeah, I think so, because I think, to me, rebuild is tearing down. I think it's it's selling off every piece that you have that's a short-term piece and turning it into a long-term piece. So I think trading a guy like Kyle Hendricks, for example, that that maintaining that guy you could still have a rebuild and do that but i think in order to be a rebuild you'd be trading rizzo you'd be trading bryant you'd be trading Contreras, and uh and uh any number of those guys and basically just keeping like Hendricks, hap and some of those guys hayward bodie who are signed longer term so i don't think it's a rebuild um i think you know there's a small chance that it would turn into something that would be a rebuild if the cubs really do sell everybody but I, i'm not expecting that i think retool is a better word um but i don't even know that that's like the the greatest word i think really what it comes down to is everything that hoyer has talked about trying to extend the window and trying to turn some of these short-term assets into longer-term assets the the darvish trade for example was obviously a difficult decision but there's also a very real chance that darvish as a 34 year old entering his 
age 35 season that his value was at the highest that it was. And so trading him while difficult and while it's hard to say that 2021 Cubs rotation is going to be better without Darvish, it was a move that makes a lot of sense for the future, especially if any of those prospects can pan out either in helping the Cubs with a future trade or just becoming regular uh, big league players for the team. And then, yeah, move like Schwarber is just, it's just difficult. You know, it's uh, a guy who um, I guess never fully realized his potential. I mean, obviously in spurts he did based off of the top prospect status and he'll always go down as a world series legend and for good reason. But, you know, that move's difficult and same with Theo and, everything else it, it these are difficult moves but we always knew that difficult moves were going to be coming i think in one way having moves like the darvish deal um and the schwarber non-tender i think it almost kind of spreads out the difficult moves the difficult decisions that dead Oilers front office faces i think it spreads it out over two winters so instead of it being okay you know like go all in for 2021 and then there might be this huge cliff that the Cubs go off of because they lose Schwarber and they lose Bryant and Rizzo and Javi. We don't know what's going to happen. And they could have lost Theo with one year of his contract too. I don't think there's as much of a clip. I think it's a at least a softer landing. And then obviously there's still the potential that a, a guy like Javi or Rizzo or Bryant signs long-term here on a contract extension. So difficult for sure. I totally understand how fans might want to use the term rebuild, but I don't think it's close to, to using that term right now. I'm with you there. I think retool is, is probably the better term for it as well. Before we get into the Darvish trade a little bit more, I want you to try and explain this a little better for our listeners because I probably don't know as much about it as you do. But So the Ricketts family and the Cubs, they, they build a hotel around Wrigley, a bunch of restaurants outside Wrigley Field, really renovate the neighborhood. They launch a brand new network and announce the coming of a sports book to Wrigley in a couple years. Plus, Wrigley Field gets landmark status. So it seems like they're spending in every way except in terms of, of baseball operations. The last two off-seasons, they've kind of been hamstrung financially, and now it looks like they're cutting payroll. Why is that? Well, I think it's kind of difficult. So you look at the fact that, yeah, they haven't been shopping at the top of the free agent market. And, you know, a couple of years ago when it was Harper and Machado, uh, they weren't really in on those guys or, or in as serious players or anything like that. And same with this winter, nobody's expecting them to go for Trevor Bauer or DJ LeMayu or whatever at the top of the free agent market. But it, it's tough to say the Cubs aren't spending because they, even right now, after the Darvish deal, they have a, an estimated payroll of over $140 million for 2021. And that doesn't include all of the, the moves and stuff that are still to come. You know, they still need more pitching, both in the bullpen and rotation. They still are need another hitter or two, maybe even multiple hitters, to at least compete for jobs. And so even if these guys are all on, you know, low couple million dollar salaries as veterans or whatever, we still haven't even seen the moves. So we're probably looking at somewhere around $150, $160 million for payroll for the Cubs in 2021 amid a, a pandemic where everybody's cutting costs. I mean, every single team around baseball, for the most part, is, you know, some teams the Padres are adding and, and the Mets are as well. But otherwise, yeah, it's it's cutting across the board. And then I think over the last couple off seasons, it is difficult because you look at the, the going into the, what was it, the 2019 season, 
the Cubs didn't really do a whole lot, but they did pick up Cole Hamill's uh, option, which was $20 million. And they thought that was very important in terms of what he brought to the club as intangibles and, and how he filled out the rotation. So, I mean, that was huge. And that was obviously took a, a big financial investment, even for just one year. And then they went out and they had the biggest weakness they needed uh, on that team in the middle of the year was bullpen. And they went out and they got that with Craig Kimbrell for a $43 million deal um, that could go up to 55 as much if, if he gets, uh, if they pick up the option. So, or I'm sorry, $42 million and it could go up a little bit higher than that, like $58 million if uh, the option is picked up for 2022. So yeah, you know, it's, it's tough to, to say, um, all of that, and I do understand fans just want them to spend, but it it's impossible to just say spend, 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 and never have any limit, never have any cap to it. And I think, too, the fact that the Cubs have spent, they have done these things, and, and I know everybody wants them to spend now, and I can't answer specifically why. I, I don't know what their payroll looks like or what their books look like, just, you know, everything we've been told, and uh, which is part of what I just reiterated too. So we'll see the Cubs spend again. Um, I know it won't be this winter, but maybe as soon as next winter, I guess we, we will see. Yeah, and I th- I think uh, in terms of maybe why not, a lot of it comes down to the moves that they've had to make in the past. Obviously, all the hitters came up around the same time in Schwarber, Baez, Bryant, um, at the time, Russell, Elmora, guys like that. Um and they just never were able to develop pitching, so they had to throw a lot of money to fill pitching in the rotation in the bullpen. Um, and as that kind of went on and all these hitters came up at the same time, the farm system got really weak, and they had nobody coming to backfill it, so they just had to keep spending that money um, to fill the major league roster. Is that kind of the same read you get on it? Yeah, I think especially in the pitching category, like you mentioned, the fact that they've had very – little homegrown pitching impact on the big league club over the last few years. So that, that has meant that they have to go out and, and sign you Darvish before the 2018 season to $126 million deal or signing Craig Kimbrell, who, I mean, these, these are all-star and, and in Kimbrell's case, like a hall of fame caliber closer. So they're huge impacts on, on the team. But if there were more guys coming up, if there over the last few years were more pitchers filling the rotation spots or the closers role or any bullpen roles, then yeah, the Cubs wouldn't have to go out and spend the, the way that they have too. So um, it, it is tough, of course, to, to look at at any point fans wanting the Cubs to spend more. But at the same time, I mean, they have spent. Like they went out and added right. before the 2016 season, they added Hayward. They brought back Fowler. Like they've spent a lot over the last few years. And, and it led to a lot of success in the World Series championship. So um, I don't know specifically, again, why something like that isn't happening every year or why that would be unfeasible. But, you know, looking at it right now, I, depending on how other teams end up, the Cubs will still almost assuredly have a top 10 payroll in 2021 once again. Right. And that's even with, uh, quote unquote, cutting costs. So it's obvious that they right. are spending. It's just Cubs fans would like to see it happen every year. Kind of back to Darvish, um, it seems obvious he was kind of right player, wrong time scenario as, as his really good seasons didn't really match match up with the Cubs' really good seasons. And it seems like from my read on it, social media and whatnot, most fans are okay with trading him, but not quite okay with the return they got for a pitcher who finished second in the Cy Young voting. Is that the same feel you kind of get about it? 
Yeah, and I I totally get that. Um, I, initially, when I thought, okay, if they're going to trade Darvis, it, it's it's going to be for a package that blows them away this winter. So you're talking with the Padres. Oh, okay, Mackenzie Gore, the hit, uh, Padres' top pitching prospect, is going to be the deal, or or maybe one of the other you know top five San Diego farm system guys would be in there as well. That's what I thought initially too. You know, I didn't know enough about how this trade market was materializing and in the world and it's just a different off season. So I, I thought that as well. And I, I certainly thought that they would get some, some more longer term pitching in return. I think Zach Davies is a, is a great guy to fill the rotation, but he's only signed through 2021. So I thought they were going to get, you know, a, a pitching prospect or two in return. So I was a little surprised by it, but uh, the more time that, I, that has gone by since the move, the more I understand and I've kind of looked back as to what, Jed was saying and how he said it. I, I think it's it's really a good move and going to be seen as a good move for this team long term because, like I mentioned before, Darvish is 34. He's already had an injury in 2018 or an injury riddled season in 2018 and then before with Tommy John. Uh, pitchers just notoriously, you know, it could be one arm injury basically affects them for an entire season. And yeah, he's a guy that's that's older and and I think I, I forget exactly um, the how I heard it or, or but somebody brought up a good point. That's like, if you could sign somebody at any top of the rotation pitcher for a six year deal, get three years out of it and then trade the last half of that deal, the last three years uh, where a guy's going to be 35, 36, 37. I, I think that's a great move that a lot of teams would take a lot of the time. So, you know, long-term it makes a lot of sense for the Cubs. And I think these four guys the four young prospects in return. I think it's also a huge bet and gamble from Hoyer's front office on the player development system that the Cubs have in place. They really believe in, you know, what Dan Kantrovitz and, and uh, his build from scouting and then like Craig Breslow pitching and Justin Stone hitting and stuff like all these guys who have helped with development. They, they really believe in that. Um, so I, I think that's going to be huge too. So uh, high performance, developing the system scouting guys it's it's become such a big part of this team after they've remade that whole section of the front office and it will be moving forward too so and then just look around the game and see what the return was that the indians got in return from the francisco lindor deal and stuff like um and even what the rays got for for blake snell it's not what people would have predicted a year ago or two years ago or um or even probably two months ago it's not what everybody was like oh if i if the rays are trading blake snell this is what they're going to get in return so the market just hasn't materialized that way right and i, I agree with you there i think darvish um it's very likely that the highest his value will ever be is is right now and i think these teams accepting kind of a less of a, a haul for some of their stars is just because they need to cut that money on their books um and I think other teams that are aggressive kind of know that. But can you um, potentially shine some light or maybe some reasons for the Cubs to be optimistic about those prospects? I don't exactly know how to pronounce all of them, but um, Reginald Prashado, um, Jason Santana, Ishmael Mena, and Owen Casey. Yeah, so I think uh, they do like those guys. and and But then, you know, I think, too, it, it's um, it's like I was talking about where getting into the player development and Matt Dory's group with the team, I think they just really believe in those guys. And then with the specifics of these young players, 
it's so much more difficult nowadays and in, in the current environment where teams are cutting costs and trying to to find you know any potential value Hoyer brought it up after the darkest trade that teams are just so unwilling to trade guys that are a lot closer to the big leagues because they see them as low cost depth moves so Mackenzie Gore for example is off limits to the Padres even in the snow deal um because San Diego views him as a potential rotation option or depth going into a year where pitchers are probably going to have a cap at like 150 innings if not lower than that you know, after a 60 game shortened season. So there's, everybody's going to need more pitching. Everybody is going to need more depth in 2021, possibly even the 2020, because you're talking about a, a season that's three times as long and may still have a bit of the, the COVID and pandemic carryover to it. And then probably more injuries even than 2020. So there's that. And then, yeah, with each specific guy, so they're younger, they are further away. They're a few years away from big leagues, but that also made uh, a unique opportunity for the Cubs to get four guys to add to their system and get into, to, like I said, Matt Dory's player development group and then try to either flip those guys for, for a return a year, two years, three years from now that helps out the big league club or to develop into big league players. So, you know, guys like Preciado that they like, who's probably the, the headliner of the group, um, you know, he, he's a, a infielder who may not, he's playing shortstop now, but he may not stay there. Uh, he's a bigger guy. I think he's like 6'4". So, you know, they like him. And then Santana's the oldest of the group at who just turned 20. But these guys, you know, Cassie was uh, a second-round pick. So these guys all have uh, their high upside. They're high risk. But I think the high upside makes it enticing to Hoyer in the front office because of what they could be and what they could turn into. And for the Cubs to, to find value and to, to get the best end of this deal, or at least for them and the franchise moving forward, they don't necessarily need these guys to turn into stars. They just need them to, to develop into some top prospects and just continue the, to, to hit on the upside that the Cubs think is there. It, it's crazy to hear you say that the oldest guy in this deal is the same age as me. That That's something <laughs> that I can't wrap my head around. And it yeah, also... no, it's, it's odd for sure. I mean, uh, so what, Preciado is 17, Santana is... Uh, 20 and the other two guys, Benya and uh, Cassie are 20 or 18. So yeah, it is nuts, but it's also, it's just so difficult for anybody, whether it's the Cubs front office or, uh, just even, you know, scouting and, and from the media perspective, when there's no minor league season in 2020, it's just tough to look at these guys. So yeah. we'll get a look at them in 2021 in the Cubs system and, and be able to have a more accurate depiction of, of who these guys are as prospects and probably the next six to eight months. Right. And and obviously the, the financial, um, I guess, constraints went kind of organization-wide with over 100 layoffs in uh, various departments. Obviously, they still really believe in their um, scouting department and player development development department despite that but do you think because of the money that they've been able to free up through the darvish trade and and some of the other moves and guys they've let walk in this offseason does that potentially lead to more room to explore extensions with rizzo or Baez or bryant i think it does when you're if you're talking about post 2021 so for this year i think the, the quote-unquote savings from the Darvish deal, I think we'll probably just be signing guys, whether that's you know bringing a, a John Lester back or filling out the rotation, however the Cubs choose to do it, filling out the, the bullpen and, and just getting overall more pitching depth. And then I, I do expect them to add uh, another hitter to, you know, 
potentially a veteran that could slot in towards the top of the order, just guys that can help diversify their offense a bit more. So, you know, I still think, and then a backup catcher too, now that Victor Caratini is gone, I think signing a veteran to be on the opening day roster and, and potentially spend all of 2021 as Contreras' backup to let top prospect Miguel Amaya develop, I think that'd probably be the way the Cubs would go with that. So, you know, yeah, the, the, there are certainly holes to fill, um, but I think that's where the money goes in 2021. Uh, and then, yeah, beyond that, your point I think is accurate because you're, you're taking 20 plus million dollars off the book, off the books from 2022 and 2023 and, and potentially reinvesting it back into a guy like Javi or Rizzo or Chris Bryant or even Wilson Contreras, who only has two years left of team control. So I, I think that's all possible. Um, but it, that also obviously does leave a hole to fill. So you Darvish not being a part of the 22 or 23 rotation means that the Cubs need to, to go out and fill that rotation spot moving forward as well. And that might cost money too. So we'll see how it, how it truly plays out for the Cubs long-term, but I do think it at least gives them the potential to, uh, to have some more wiggle room in contract negotiations. Yeah. At least a little bit more flexibility. It seems like, and the breaking news out of the MLB today is that Francisco Lindor and Carlos Carrasco are heading to the Mets. I want to ask you specifically about Lindor Um, who is a part of that probably headlining that massive shortstop class that's going to hit free agency next year. Um, Lindor, Baez, of course, uh, Correa, Story, I think even Seager. Um, So with him to the Mets and likely them trying to extend him, does that help or hurt Baez's case to either get extended or head to free agency? Uh, I think it would help if... I think it would help Baez's case for free agency if Lindor were to come off the market. And I think that's the case of any shortstop. So um, I guess on the one hand, but on the other hand, it probably hurts Javi's case because a team in the Mets, if they do extend Lindor, then there's a team that won't be looking for a shortstop. And it's a big budget team that will probably be spending next winter and, and so on. So, you know, that takes a, a huge team off the market because, Obviously, the Indians just made this deal, and they've not been known to shop at the top of the market. So I, I don't expect uh, the Indians to be a suitor for Javi Baez or any other short top shortstop next winter. So, yeah, that takes away a, a big potential buyer in the market. So that certainly hurts Javi's stance. But to my earlier point, it would help just because there'd be less competition if that were the case for Javi trying to find a new team in free agency. So. Um, but I guess overall, that would be the case if, if Trevor Story or whoever else, any other top shortstop, um, also left the market or signed an extension. But I think, so yeah, to, to your point about how it might help a, the ability of the Cubs to sign him long term, it might, but I don't think Javi is really basing his his extension talks with the team off of what Lindor or Story or any of these other top free agent shortstops would be doing. So I think it's more about the value that he feels it is worthwhile and um, and what he wants and is looking for with the contract and then uh, moving forward. So I, I don't think there's a direct impact there, but we'll see again in a year because there might be. Yeah, and at the very least, I think the move could help kind of set the market for what a a team like the, the Cubs or Rockies or Astros could get trading their shortstop with one year of control left, what they could expect to get back. And if he gets signed, it could set the market of, of what the it would take to sign one of these guys long-term. But 
We'll shift gear into another rumor that has been surfacing. It started kind of right after the Darvish deal that there were rumblings that Wilson Contreras could be dealt. Um, a few days later, Jed Hoyer shot those down. I think he said they were fictional. Um, and and now we see those kind of picking back up with the Angels being involved in trying to get Wilson Contreras. What do you think that type of trade would look like? He's got two years of control left and is cheaper compared to Darvish, so they should be able to get a lot back. And considering they already traded Caratini, um, they'd have a massive hole to fill. I Do you see that's feasible? Yeah, you're absolutely right. If if the Cubs traded Wilson Contreras, they would have a, a massive hole to fill because they have no interest in rushing Miguel Amaya, nor should they. Um, so he's not a viable option for 2021, at least to start the season. Maybe things would change or he could accelerate and become a second-half factor the way Contreras was in 2016. But that's probably a best-case scenario. So, um, yeah, I, it would be devastating blow to the Cubs 2001 or 2021 chances of contending in a very weak NL Central if they got rid of Contreras. Um, so I think in order to do it, they would have to get a, a huge haul. And I don't know, you know, how it would compare to the Darvish because like you said, there is one last year of team control, but also a cheaper deal, a younger player, a guy who uh, has shown the potential to shore up the the weakest part of his game, which was pitch framing and some of the defensive stuff. And he had a fantastic season in 2020 with that. So he's, he's proven an ability that um, to tap into his immense potential and, and potentially emerge as the top catcher in baseball over the next couple of years, or at least be right alongside JT Real Muto for that. So um, I think it would have to be a huge haul from, from the Angels or from any other team for the, to pry Contreras from the Cubs. I, I do think the Angels do make sense because if there's anybody in baseball who knows the value or at least the potential value that Contreras has, it's Joe Madden who coached him from his inception in 2016 all the way through the 2019 season. So, um, and, and yeah, in terms of outside the Cubs, I think Madden is probably the biggest believer out there in Wilson Contreras and, he proved that over and over again. So it would make a lot of sense um, if the, if the Angels would be a team that would overpay or, or at least meet the Cubs' asking price on it. But I truly don't necessarily expect it to happen. Um, I do think the Cubs want to to win the division in 2021 and still try to contend. And, and I think trading Caratini makes Wilson Contreras a lot more difficult to get uh, from other teams. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you there. And kind of still on that trade front, um, some more reports have come out that the Dodgers are going to be looking for a third baseman, potentially Chris Bryant, as Bleacher Nation reported. Does that rumor have any traction to you? Yeah, I don't know. Um, I mean, the Dodgers just finally got over the hump and won the World Series last fall. And I, to be honest, I best guess is it's probably just some kind of you know posturing and stuff because they probably will ultimately get Justin Turner back, who they like there, and you know they're just. Um, doing their part as a team but who knows i guess we could see there could be some validity to it from the cubs perspective if they were trading chris bryant uh to a team like the dodgers there's a lot of good young players that are close to big league ready that could help the team but again as we've seen with some of these other moves from the francisco Lindor trade to the darvis deal to the snell deal teams aren't giving up guys that are right on the cusp of big leagues so um or at least you know, potential big league stars who are a year or so away. So, you know, I think if Brian is dealt to the Dodgers, say something like that does happen, 
I imagine it would be some lower level guys and not necessarily like a Gavin Lux or a Dustin May or some of the, the top young players the Dodgers have. So, um, but yeah, and then I just, I guess I just kind of wonder LA's motivation overall. Like, would they really go all in to acquire a guy on an expiring contract in terms of just one year left of team control for Bryant? Would they go all in and meet the Cubs asking price for it when they just won the World Series, when they just finally got over the hump? And not that they don't need him, any any team could use a, an MVP caliber player, but the Dodgers are a very deep team with a lot of talented players that I don't think acquiring Bryant like puts them over the hump and, and makes them the favorite again because i think they're already the favorite so uh, a move like that a, a pairing between like the dodgers and bryant to me that would make more sense mid-season if if the dodgers truly feel that like okay we're not going to have a, a world series hangover we are definitely going forward in the number one team in baseball and the cubs you know decide that they want to sell off bryant and the two teams are able to find a side uh, like a mutual pairing between the two sides yeah, and that's maybe a chance to kind of take advantage more so of the other team. Like we saw um, the year after the Cubs won the World Series, they traded Aloy Jimenez and Dylan Cease for Jose Quintana. Um, so maybe you, you kind of catch the Dodgers on a good day and get a little bit more for Bryant, who at that point will be a rental. But at this point, I've got one final question for you. It's a two-parter. Um, so which of these four players will be on the opening day roster in 2021? Um, Chris Bryant, Wilson Contreras, Anthony Rizzo, and Javier Baez. They will be or will not be? Wh- which will be? Uh, honestly, I think all four will be. So, I, you know, I was a little surprised that the Darvish deal happened. Not that it was uh, impossible that they were traded by any means, but just because of the fact that I know that the NL Central is pretty wide open. I mean, there's a, it's up there for anybody to get, and and I think the Cubs have the best roster right now on paper of any of those teams. Uh, most postseason experience and a manager of the year finalist in the dugout too. So, um, so I think there's that. And then, yeah, I just think it would it would have to be the Cubs. Any team matching the Cubs asking price for those guys, and I'm not 100 percent sure they'll do that on a guy like Bryant or a guy like Contreras. And honestly, I mean, I think the Cubs want to try to get those guys all long term too. They're all-star players at their positions and have immense value to this franchise and to the fan base. So um, I think they would really, really need to be uh, blown away or at least have set themselves up for a a move that like they couldn't say no to, to deal one of those guys. So again, it could happen. Um, They felt that way about the Darvish deal. So we'll see. But if you're asking me right now, early January, I say all four of those guys are in the opening day lineup. Yeah. I'm with you there as well. I think, probably best chance would be Bryant gets dealt at the deadline and then extend Rizzo and Baez. That'd be my best guess. But the second part of that question is opening day 2022, which of those four guys are in the lineup? (laughs) That is a good question. Um, So I'm going to say Wilson Contreras, just because I'll stick with, stay consistent if they don't trade him this winter. um, I'd be surprised if they traded him mid-season, but I guess we'll see see on that uh and then i'm gonna say javi baez will also be a part of it and anthony rizzo i think uh the cubs i think it's important to them of course that they they try to get as many of these guys locked up long term but i think javi and rizzo are the two guys that are really the the face of the franchise in so many ways javi's so important to the team in terms of energy and instincts and baseball iq 
and then just defensively, he's the guy that they move all the time in shifts, and um, he means just so much to their run prevention and everything. He impacts the the pitching staff more than any other senior player on the Cubs roster. And then yeah, Rizzo is is the guy who you know he's the the quote unquote captain, and he's the guy that's been the face of the franchise. He was the one who spoke at the. 2016 rally after the World Series, and he was the first real big name acquired by this this front office regime. So it would be difficult, like truthfully, to see Rizzo ever wear a, another uniform. And I know Cubs fans would feel that way, and I think the Cubs front office would as well. So I think you know those two guys, and then I, I wouldn't be stunned if Brian is here too. It's I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility, and I think it's a, a better chance than it was two years ago, if you were asking me, that Bryant is locked up to a, a long-term deal. I think the pandemic and everything that's happened, you know, kind of helps that, and then the fact that he's a new father with a new perspective on life, that might change things too, so we'll see, and, and we'll definitely see how, what the value is and what those guys deem as their fair value too, because remember, Rizzo already took a, a very team-friendly extension when he was a much younger player. So who knows if he would want to do that again moving forward. But um, I do think it's it's still very possible that all three of those guys are a part of it. But my bet right now, I'd say Contreras, Javi, and Rizzo on the 2022 lineup. Yeah, I think I'm with you there as well. Um, your former colleague, David Kaplan, predicted in a bold prediction episode of uh, the podcast that Brian would fire Boris and sign an extension. I don't know how likely that is, but I'd, I'd sure like to see it. <laughs> yeah, that would be funny for sure. Um, I, we'll see. I mean, <laughs> I don't. I know Brian's relationship with Boris uh, has always been strong for, I, I guess, what, 10 years now or so. So, I mean, I guess I'd be a little surprised by that, but you never know. Crazier things have happened. And, um, multiple players in, in various sports, not just baseball, have chosen to represent themselves too. So um, we will see what happens. All righty. Well, that'll do it for this edition of the Cubs Corner. Thanks, Tony, so much for coming on. No problem. Thank you for having me. As always, this episode is brought to you by Coach's Bar and Grill and is available on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, and the Cubs HQ website. But for now... Thank you all for coming to the Cubs Corner.